Hey, it's Jay, and it's time for another short one-shot. These are the monologue episodes that complement our longer-form narratives, all seeking to answer one question. How do we resonate deeper? How do we create work that we love and others love too? The name of this one-shot is called, What Do You See When You See an Elephant? I believe any story that you find can serve your cause if you know how to mold it and change it appropriately to tell it your way for your specific goals. As an author and podcaster, I've learned that there are just a few ways to change a story to illustrate the big idea or to advance the mission that I'm exploring or pursuing. But the process of changing a story you find, especially one others think they know already, can get you all tangled up in a web of sentence fragments and rearranged sections and bizarre new additions. It's enough to give up hope. One storyteller recently gave me a lot more hope because he gave me something else. Clarity. Today, I want to share the four things that we can change in any story we find to tell it better. By the way, better doesn't mean it's more epic or popular. It means more purposeful, more customized to your specific situation and needs, your audience, your goals, your desire to express yourself a certain way, to connect deeper with the world and others around you, and get your creative fingerprints all over the work. Better, in this case, means more yours. But before we talk about making stories better, before we talk about those four things, I need to tell you my version of a story I found. This is a story of a storyteller on a stage telling a story which itself was a retelling of a story told by another storyteller who was himself retelling a story originally told by, well, we're not exactly sure. Got it? If not, no worries. That's kind of the point. I want to tell you the story I first heard from Derek Delgadio. He's an American magician and multidisciplinary artist whose one-man show is called In and of Itself. It appears as a film on Hulu and has haunted me these past few weeks, especially one specific story from the middle of his performance. The stage where Derek stood to tell that story was in the Daryl Roth Theater in New York. That's where he performed in and of itself 552 times, telling several stories, including the retelling of a story told by another storyteller who was himself retelling a story originally told by, well, we're not exactly sure. If I had to guess, Delgaudio and anybody who looks like him or looks like me only knows about this particular story thanks to a poet named John G. Sachs. That's our second storyteller. In 1872... Sachs introduced the Western world to an old Indian parable. The parable has appeared all over the world, told slightly differently in different cultures, but the first known written version is from a Buddhist text from 500 BCE. No one knows who told the story first. On that stage, where he told the story 552 times, Delgaudio altered the parable to better say what he wanted to say about the themes of his show. The themes were the idea of identity and the labels that we apply to others and that others force onto us and the problems that those things create. That's what made this particular storyteller's telling of a story that was a retelling of a story told by another storyteller who himself was... Actually, you know what? It doesn't matter. What matters is how Delgaudio took a story told for centuries and made it something more personal and powerful. Let's start at the beginning of his performance, well before he introduced the parable to the audience. When you watch the film version of his one-man show on Hulu, you hear Delgadio's voice narrating to us the following words. 
they ask you, what do you want to be when you grow up? Later they ask, what do you do? Which is just another way of saying, what have you become? It's not enough to have a name. People need something to call you. Ugh, right? And so he continues. So you search. You look at the roles the world offers you, trying to find the one that reflects who you are. Only a lucky few get to play the part they want. The rest settle for what's left or struggle with what they've been handed. Then we all learn to embrace our illusions of identity. The story Del Gaudio told on a stage, which itself was a retelling of a story told by John G. Sachs, who was himself retelling a story originally told by, well, we're not exactly sure, is the story called The Blind Men and the Elephant. I want to give you my summary of the story, and then afterwards, I want to play back some select clips from Del Gaudio's performance on that stage, so we can compare and contrast a generalized version to something more specific from Derek. That will reveal the four things that he changed to turn a story he found into a story that's his own. All right, here is my summary of The Blind Men and the Elephant. Six blind men are walking in a field when they encounter a thing. They aren't sure what the thing is, so they start touching it to figure it out. But since they're each feeling a different part of the thing, each of the men confidently declares it's something different. The first man who's touching the trunk thinks, it's a snake. Hey, everybody, look out. The man at the tail at the opposite end of this thing, who doesn't know it's a tail, says, hold on, it's just some rope. Calm down. The guy touching the ears thinks it's just two big fans. I would question how this guy could possibly correct snake guy and rope guy to declare, nope, those things are way off. They're actually just fans that we're feeling. Um, I'd question how he could confidently do such a thing. Then again, I've seen various claims made on Twitter by people talking about science and medicine. And so I can only conclude that Dunning and Kruger were really onto something. Anyways, the third guy, he's pushing against the elephant's big, broad, heavy side, which doesn't budge an inch. Hold on. This is just a wall, he says. Whoa, says the fifth man who's touching the elephant's tusks. Careful, this thing is sharp like a spear. Girl, you cray. That's the last guy. He's speaking in 6th century Indian slang. And he's just finished hugging four sturdy, rough, round things. And he concludes, they're just four tree trunks, nothing more. The men start to debate about what this thing really is until they finally decide to combine their knowledge. And that's when they realize it's an elephant. This parable illustrates how we as humans confuse our own narrow experiences and views with the absolute truth. We also seem to discredit others' narrow experiences and views as somehow less true or entirely wrong. A second lesson, maybe, is that we get closer to the truth if we combine our perspectives and experiences. Anyways, that's the story as I would summarize it. Let's go to Derek Del Gaudio's version. I won't give you the entire thing as a clip in this episode. It's both too long, and I want you to go and watch it later. It is just that powerful. But 
Delgadio makes four crucial choices when sharing his version that I wanted to illuminate now. All of these choices, by the way, alter the story just enough to suit his needs. And through it all, it's clear that only Delgadio could have told this story this way. In that sense, it's his story, even though it's not his story. But it's undeniable. This is not the same general telling of a previous telling of a previous telling. He has made it feel personal. It's serving his message and his audience. So what does he change about the story to achieve that? The following four things. First, he adds something. Then he subtracts something. Then he reveals something. Finally, he extracts something. He adds, subtracts, reveals, extracts. He does this for a reason that many of us need to spend more time thinking about when we communicate. Derek Delgaudio knows what this story is for. He's not just trying to grab and hold attention. He's not just trying to entertain you for no good reason. He's going somewhere with this. He's trying to inspire reflection and action in you. He's trying to say something that matters about something specific. His show is about identity and the labels we place on each other. Here's what he did to shape a very old, very commonly told story to work better in his specific situation. In other words, here's how he made this centuries-old story his own. Number one, add something. In my earlier summary, and in most tellings that you'll find of this parable, the setup sounds something like this. The men encountered a thing and decided to investigate. A few other tellings start with a slightly different, but also simple premise. The men had always wanted to meet an elephant so they could figure out what it might look like by feeling it, and one day, they did. But Delgaudio doesn't set up his story quite the same way. It's not a plain description. Instead, he adds a bit more personality and hints at a larger point of view, but very subtly. All of this serves the broader purpose of that story, that segment of his show, and the overall show. He doesn't just say, the men encountered a thing and decided to investigate. Instead, he says this. And they don't know what this thing is. So these guys decide, instead of just moving along, instead of just minding their own damn business, these guys decide they're going to stop. They're going to investigate. And by God, they're going to figure out what this thing is. Did you catch that feeling of indignation? It's really clear in his performance, but you can also sense it just by reading the transcript because he uses phrases like minding their own damn business or by God. So why do this? Why add these details to an otherwise common, simple, straight ahead setup found everywhere else? It's because this story is a means to an end and Delgadio knows the destination. Later, he will reveal something. He will extract something. The story setup is not just about setting up future action of the story. It's also setting up two conclusions, what he's going to reveal to us and what he will extract for us. His approach is subtle, but if you hear different versions told more generally, including my summary, and then you hear his, you might question why he's doing it this way. It's more noticeable. But when he arrives at his later destination, which we'll get to, suddenly it clicks. He was laying important groundwork building towards something meaningful. That's the thing about effective storytellers. They aren't just distracting or entertaining you. Their stories are purpose-selected and even more purpose-built. They know that the stories they find or the stories they experienced 
don't arrive fully formed. You don't merely plug them in or find them on Wikipedia and repurpose them elsewhere untouched. For storytellers like Delgaudio, there's an intentionality behind the details that they choose to add, subtract, or allow to persist in the story. It's not just about the story selection. It's story customization that makes the story work. Delgaudio shaped this parable to fit perfectly inside his show. It's a show about identity and the absurdity of humans using their own very narrow perspectives to apply labels to others. Instead of just moving along, instead of just minding their their own damn damn business. Next, subtract something. You might assume that anybody telling a story called The Blind Man and the Elephant would immediately reveal three key details. There are some men, they are blind, and there's also an elephant. You'd think those details would be somewhere in your setup, even if your audience doesn't know the name of the story. But Delgaudio, and maybe surprisingly, he doesn't tell us that the men are blind. He says the story is about these six dudes. And when they encounter this thing in the field, they don't know what it is. So instead of just moving along, instead of just minding their own damn business, they're going to stop, they're going to investigate it, and by God, they're going to figure out what this thing is. And then, and only then, he says this. There's a problem with their idea. All six of these guys are blind. And even though they're all touching the same thing, they're all touching a different part of it. So each guy thinks it's a totally different thing. Now, I know we're in the subtract something section. You might consider that a type of reveal. He revealed something. He pushed the detail that they're blind later and then revealed it to you. And I suppose it is a type of reveal, but there's an even bigger one coming up in his show that we'll get to in just a moment. For now, let's consider this a subtraction, because by removing the detail that most would never consider removing, he wasn't being a genius, even though he very well might be. He was simply focused on saying something specific and pressing the story through that lens. Because for the audience, by not knowing the men are blind until later, it helps cement that lesson. It helps illuminate the ridiculousness of humans forcing labels onto others. There's a problem with their idea, he says. Wait, why? Because the men are blind. Because we are all blind to the truth of another person's life. That's what the parable is teaching us. It makes no sense to proceed the way that we do, to need more than a name, to need some other label to force on others, to make sense of them that way. These labels aren't grounded in enough truth to be anything more than, as Delgadio calls them when he starts the show, illusions. Ah, okay, you might think, I know where this is going. Each of us is blind, like the men in the story. We can only perceive a narrow piece of the whole truth, but if we combine our understandings, we can see the full elephant. The thing is, it's right when you think you see what's coming that effective storytellers reveal something you didn't. That's the next thing he did, reveal something. Delgaudio ends his version of the story like this. Anyways, the point being, these guys argue amongst themselves for quite a while. And it it was not until they learned to communicate and work together that they were able to see the thing they're all touching is just an elephant. Now, this, this is an old story. There's lots of versions of this really old story from all around the world. I have read every version of this story I could get my hands on, and I've noticed every version of this story has one thing in common. There's there's not a single version of this story that takes into consideration what this experience must have been like 
for the elephant. <laughs> okay, so you probably noticed the reveal. It's the final line there, of course. But why turn our attention to that idea about what it must have been like for the elephant? Well, if you heard that or you watch the performance later, you'll first notice that it serves as a punchline. He plays it for laughs. And that alone might be enough to pivot from the expected conclusion, you know, the place we thought we were going, to this unexpected turn, this final line. But that's not the real reason Del Gaudio made this choice, at least not entirely. You see, this particular storyteller wanted to take a story told for literal centuries and reveal something that maybe nobody had ever considered. He wanted us to see something in a new way. Now, I don't think it takes a genius to do something like this, though he just might be a genius. No, I think the only reason he or you or I could take a story that we find out in the wild and then tell it our way, even a popular story told thousands of times, maybe even for centuries, the only reason we could do that is because we're being more specific. We're not trying to be more brilliant. We're trying to say this thing, arrive there to that destination, help an audience see or do that thing a new way. We press the material that we find through a specific lens that we bring with us everywhere, or at least inside of one project. And in doing that, we create something new. It's his show. It's your message. It's my mission. The personality quirks that we have, the experiences that we've lived through, the hopes, beliefs, biases, and fears. It's the messy bag of humanity that we haul with us to anything we make. It's all that we are. Now, most of us leave this part to chance. At best, we assume, or maybe we hope, that our presence in the work will affect it somehow, making it ours. But mostly, I don't think we even see that. But Delgaudio does. He leaves nothing to chance. He intentionally shapes the story through his lens for his own purposes. And once he's done that, once he's set it up for his audience, adding something, subtracting something, revealing something, customizing the story to become his own, once he's done that stuff, he can now pull something out of the story that feels powerful. And that's the fourth and final thing he did. Extract something. There is a difference between good storytellers and effective storytellers. Good storytellers grip us, but effective storytellers move us. They move us towards meaning. In doing so, they inspire reflection and action. Here's what Del Gaudio says when he extracts a powerful insight from the parable. There's not a single version of this story that takes into consideration what this experience must have been like for the elephant. <laughs> Think about it from its perspective for just a moment. Ima imagine you are standing alone in a field, minding your own business, and six perverts come out of nowhere and start fondling you. And then they start arguing about what you are and they can't decide, they can't figure it out. So they form a really creepy committee and they discuss what you are and they come back and go, hey, we talked about it, we figured it out. You, you're an elephant, elephant. What if they're wrong? I mean, they are blind. Or in, or in this instance, what if they were right in the first place? What if these blind guys didn't stumble across an elephant? What if they really did stumble across a magical creature? Something that had a snake for a nose and tree trunks for legs and a wall for a body. And then they just, they convinced each other eh, it was just an elephant. And worse than that, 
What if they could convince it it was just an elephant? And then what if this thing, what if this magical creature didn't have someone around who knew it, someone who saw it for what it really was and loved it enough to say, no, they're all wrong and you're more than that. I don't know. Maybe that's why we don't see those types of magical creatures roaming around anymore. I'm going to need a moment, right? Now, I'd ask you, what do you see when you see an elephant? Is it clear? Is it nice and neat and prepackaged for you or by you? Is it a long and jumbly list of things? Is it even possible? Or how about endless possibilities? Not one narrow label. Endless possibilities. Isn't that the hallmark of being creative? Isn't that how we can tell more powerful stories? By looking past preconceived notions and pre-existing labels to see what others don't or can't or won't. To make something from nothing or to make something our own. To add, subtract, reveal, and extract. Others place labels on you all the time. And it's likely that this alters the way you see yourself, you pursue your work, and you live your life. They tell you, You're a marketer, you're a blogger, you're an accountant, you're in a creative rut, you're the type who suffers from writer's block, you're a practitioner, no, you're a manager, you're smart, you're not smart, you're suited for corporate work, you're better off independent, you're the silly one, no, you're the serious one, you're the one whose ideas never seems to pass muster with the boss, the client, the audience, you're a rock star, you're an imposter. What if they're wrong? I mean, they are blind. Or in this instance, what if the version of you they encountered initially was correct? What if others don't stumble upon a marketer, a blogger, an accountant, an imposter? What if they really did stumble across a magical creature, something that had the abilities and the interests of each of these things and more, and then they just convince each other, eh, you're just that thing. And worse than that, what if they could convince you that you're just that thing? And then what if you, a magical creature, didn't have someone around who knew you, someone who saw you for what you really are and loves you enough in that moment to say, no, they're all wrong and you're more than that. I don't know. Maybe that's why we don't see magical creatures roaming around the internet anymore. What do you see when you see an elephant? When you encounter a moment, an idea, a story, a turn of phrase, or your own reflection? Is that thing just that thing? Or could it be something else? Something more? Something they haven't noticed before? See past the labels. Go beyond the current version, the conventional wisdom, the widespread understanding. Add something. Subtract something. Reveal something. Extract something. In doing so, make it your own. When I see Derek Delgaudio, I struggle to label him. I guess he's a storyteller? He's a storyteller who stood on a stage. He's a storyteller who stood on a stage telling a story which itself was a retelling of a story told by another storyteller who was himself retelling a story originally told by, well, we're not exactly sure. Got it? If not, no worries. That's kind of the point.
Thank you so much for listening. This episode was written, edited, and produced by me. And I cannot encourage you strongly enough to go watch In and of Itself on Hulu if you can, or at least check your show notes for a link that I found on YouTube of Delgadio telling the story of the blind men and the elephant, or the story of these six dudes. It's incredible. It's been haunting me for a while now. I adore it. And I think you will too. If you like stories like today's, please consider subscribing to my free newsletter called Playing Favorites. It's all about how we can create work that matters more to our careers, our companies, our communities. It's about how to resonate deeper to grow better. You can subscribe using the link in your show notes or visit jayaconzo.com. And if you're interested in joining a membership program to push yourself creatively, visit creatorkitchen.com. This is my brand new membership program. I'm really, really focused on the show and the program as sort of the one-two punch of my work right now. Um, it's all about, again, pushing yourself creatively, going beyond the basics to ensure that you're shipping work that feels more like your own, doing work only you can do to connect more deeply, not just with others, but also with yourself. Because honestly, that's who I care about. You doing work that fulfills you and gets results all at the same time. So that's at creatorkitchen.com to learn more and sign up for a membership. Listeners to the show can get $100 off their membership. Use the code UNTHINKABLE with all capital letters, UNTHINKABLE for $100 off. Creatorkitchen.com or check your show notes for a link. I'm back in two weeks with another episode. Until then, keep making what matters. See ya.